0: This is Jesse Goldberg Strassler, the voice of the Lansing Lugnuts. And when I'm not going nuts, I'm listening to the Jay's Journal podcast with Ari Shapiro.
1: host as always, a somewhat forlorn Ari Shapiro, looking back at the week that was for the Toronto Blue Jays and wondering who let Murphy and his laws in to run roughshod over a team that up until about a week and a half ago from this taping was displaying signs of staying competitive and doing what they can to show the fans that they have what it takes to make the postseason. And of course, as is always the case it seems with the Toronto, not only baseball scene, but all sports really, things went from a a true high, a ravenous feeling of exaltation and euphoria to one of general bitterness and cynicism. How else do we explain our reactions to losing Nate Pearson, a vaunted minor league prospect who suffered a freak injury, On the same day that the team's elite closer, Roberto Asuna is arrested on charges of domestic assault, and then throw in the coup de grace, if you will, my friends, which is getting no-hit by James Paxton, with perhaps the one consolation prize of knowing that he was Canadian. He is a Canadian. He's someone that also was property of the Blue Jays initially, drafted in the first round, I believe in 2009, and yet things didn't work out, and I'll leave it to you to research and understand why they didn't, because I could probably make an entire show out of catching on all things James Paxton. I don't need to do that. This show isn't about bemoaning things, not the way I do it seems whenever I'm on TSN or Sportsnet Radio. This show is about looking at reasons to be optimistic and pointing to the future, and what better way to do that than to include my friend and a regular guest on the show, Jesse Goldberg Strasler, the voice of the Lansing Lugnuts, the author of ba- of the Baseball Thesaurus and he has his own great podcast called Around the Nest that you should check out wherever podcasts can be found. But before we get to Jesse, let's let's look back and and understand exactly what's unfolded for fans of this team. We knew going into the season that the Blue Jays would be hard-pressed to find their way back to the postseason after what was a year filled with injuries, player regression, and a great deal of underachievement. And I'm sorry to say, my friends, in some ways very little has changed, especially over the course of the last seven to ten days. We've seen the same haunting goblins of injuries piling up, of players being shifted from the minor league straight up to the majors, and then demoted after three or four days of service, a lot of cost-controlling, and a lot a lot a great deal of underachievement, I I fear, especially in the case of players like Kendris Morales. And as a fan of the club I can appreciate why you are frustrated. But I think we need to look at some of the positives of this team in order to contrast with the so called negatives. It's not unusual to find yourself at this stage in the season getting very angsty. We're here heading towards the end of the second month of the baseball season and we've seen a tale of two different Blue Jays teams. On one hand, early on, we have the awesome privilege of witnessing a team that could do no wrong when it came to hitting in the clutch and and having runners in scoring position. If there were ducks on the pond, it seemed like this Blue Jays team could find a way to cash them in. And now suddenly, we are witness to the exact opposite, a team that is leaving double digits of runners stranded on base, not finding a way to play fundamental station-to-station baseball. And what's interesting is that it's reflected in the statistics. I mean, on the positive side, you you find a great deal of admirable results from a team that can be in the top five in extra base hits, in home runs per at-bat. Uh, they don't ground into many double plays this year, this Blue Jays team. Finds a way to get it done, to stay out of that trouble. And their pinch-hitting batting average is remarkable. It's well over 300. Those are some of the genuinely positive things you should be looking at. But when we look to the pitching side of the equation, the area that was supposed to be the vaunted strength of this franchise, we unfortunately find ourselves crestfallen. It's not a good situation when you have issues with how well the the opponent is hitting against you and how many walks you're allowing and your whip in general and the lack of quality starts and all the runs that are being allowed. And considering the Blue Jays have to face both the athletics and the angels on the horizon, needless to say... This is now gut-check time for this team. Because as of this taping, the Blue Jays find themselves three or four games out of the wild-card spot, but that could quickly multiply. And by the time summer's barely begun, we could find this Blue Jays team literally being out of contention with no reason to have to invest time, money, or personnel to try to get over the hump. Make no bones about it, my friends. This management group understands that the Blue Jays are not expected to contend this year. And all this talk of contending and rebuilding and engaging in an intellectual exercise, truthfully, is just a lot of talk. It's a lot of hot air. The truth is that in order to compete in the American League today, you need your players performing at the highest level possible. And my hope for this team this year was that enough of these athletes who were finding themselves on the bubble with expiring contracts and with the hopes of getting the next big contract would rise up and demonstrate their their true capacity and passion to the game. Unfortunately, thus far, we haven't seen that. Whether it's Kendris Morales, whether it's Russell Martin, whether it's Randall Grechuk, whether it's Josh Donaldson, whether it's Jaime Garcia, whether it's Marcus Stroman, there is a, an alarmingly high number of players who are not getting it done for whatever reasons. In the case of Stroman, for example, we know that he's now injured and has shoulder inflammation. It's a tough situation. It puts the ball club in a position where all this good collateral, that was constructed early on in the season might simply come to an end. And symbolically, it may do that when Noah Syndergaard takes the rubber in the first game of the New York Mets road series for the Blue Jays. And therein lies the sad, cruel irony of baseball. And it's something Jesse and I talked about on this show today. Which is understanding that, once upon a time, Noah Syndergaard belonged to the Blue Jays and that Alex Anthopoulos, in his haste to build a quote, contending team, end quote, ended up trading away the gem of the Lansing three, although some would argue it was Aaron Sanchez. It's hard to believe that at one, once upon a time, the Blue Jays had three vaunted young pitchers and Justin Nicolino, Aaron Sanchez, and Noah Syndergaard to be part of the future for the next decade. Not only were two-thirds traded away, but going after a 37-year-old knuckleball pitcher, trading away a catcher that you'd hoped would be part of the future in Travis Darnot, and then making that blockbuster trade with the Florida Marlins, clearly demonstrated that the Blue Jays were at a place where desperation had set in. And unfortunately, desperation and baseball don't work very well together. And again, the numbers show that. The numbers show a team, in the case of the Blue Jays, that don't have the batting average or the on-base percentage to compete with some of their closest rivals for that second wild card spot. Now that being said, all is not doom and gloom. My reasons for bringing Jesse goldberg Strasler back to the show was specifically to help us deal with the philosophical and existential nature of baseball when it comes to certain events and circumstances that shape and mold the way we look at this team. And I'm a firm believer that notwithstanding my recent skepticism, healthy or otherwise, that I demonstrated when on the Fan 590 and on TSN 1260 last week, that this Blue Jays team still has the character and the talent to stay competitive. And I think the hope is that all the goodwill and nature and collateral that was constructed from their early start, which allowed them to show that perhaps there was a reason for hope, is best put on display during this upcoming quick road series at the New York Mets and then for four games at home against the Oakland Athletics. For surely, if the Blue Jays cannot demonstrate an ability to consistently challenge and beat Teams like the Oakland Athletics and the Los Angeles Angels, I fear there will be very little hope this summer in terms of seeing any kind of playoff baseball. And that may not be the worst thing in the world when you consider that this team is trying to improve itself and that they're trying to cultivate their young talent, but once again, it makes the average fan feel a little bit hollow in knowing that in their so called rhetoric related to contending and rebuilding that the best they could hope for was a team that once in a while might be able to surprise you but for the most part will leave you disappointed and now is the opportunity for them to change that I feel especially now with the spotlight of recent events you learn a great deal about the character and nature of your team through adversity and I think the Blue Jays now have a real opportunity to show the fans what they're really made of in the coming weeks So let's go ahead now and bring in Jesse goldberg Strasler, who sat down with me right before the Boston Red Sox series to talk about a wide variety of exciting subjects related to the team, as well as some deeply soulful touching moments where we looked at what makes this game of baseball so incredibly refreshing and fascinating for so many fans across North America. I hope you enjoy it here on the Jays Journal podcast. Okay, now, Jesse, it's been a while since you and I really had a chance to understand what's happening around us, because every time you come on the show, we get into these amazingly philosophical, poetic discussions about what the Blue Jays are attempting to do, what they're actually doing, and how fans interpret things. And I think you'll agree how quickly they change. The last time I think you and I had a conversation, we were very much excited at the promise of what this team would do this year. They got off to a phenomenal start. Two weeks in, they're leading the league in clutch hitting. And now three, four weeks later, they're leading the league in it not hitting in clutch situations. In fact, they've completely bottomed out and it's showing in the, in the standings. Give me your perception on how much of this was the real deal that got everyone's enthusiasm and blood pumping versus maybe now regressing to the mean of what should have been the inevitable baseball averages that kick in. I still believe that Kendris Morales
0: is not a 100 hitter. And I believe that Russell Martin is not a 100-hitter. So I think that those two, when you talk about regressing to the mean, some things are due to come up. Injuries, we've talked about, sabotaged their season last year. And when injuries pop up, when injuries send key guys to the disabled list, this is a problem. And it has seemed to me this entire time that the Blue Jays, you still want them to recapture that glory from a couple of years ago. You understand that there's a new generation coming, though, and these feel to me like the bridge years, that at some point in the next couple of years, Vladdy Jr. is going to take over. And we'll be looking at it, and we'll be saying, all right, there was the Bautista years, there was the Vladdy years, and we're right now stuck in between with them trying to to tread water, and putting together a roster, putting together a team that can still compete, can still fight for that second wild card. Right now, I don't think they were as good as when they started. I don't think they're they're as bad as where they are now. They need to find that middle ground, but boy, good health would certainly help.
1: It really would, especially knowing that as you and I went to this taping, uh, Marcus Stroman, it was announced, is going on the 10-day DL. I don't know how much of that is because it's a legitimate injury versus one that's been there all along and is now being managed by the team because fans are scratching their heads. And you can imagine I've been on... Been going on different radio stations telling people, this is not Marcus Stroman, this is just what happens sometimes when you struggle by making bad pitching selections and maybe not necessarily being on the same page as your catcher. How much of that, of that is true, Jesse? Is this more about his head, or do you think now we're seeing what could be a genuine concern down the road that this pitcher might be damaged goods moving forward? Hmm, That's a difficult choice.
0: What it has seemed to me, and the experience that I had in meeting Marcus Stroman when he came to rehab in Lansing, I didn't doubt his work ethic. I didn't doubt his ethos of, I'm going to try as hard as I can. And we've seen that with him. With the way that he experiments with his pitches, with the passion he shows on the mound, you never think he's going to give you less than everything he's got. A baseball player is so used to playing injured, or so used to playing not at 100%, I should Mm -hmm. rephrase, It is just understood, especially as a professional athlete, you're going to have ailments that pop up. You're going to have moments where you don't feel quite right, and yet you are still expected to compete because your team is better with you out there than you being on the disabled list. Players who are on the DL and it lingers and it lingers, everyone looks at them and says, hey, tough it out, get together. I think Marcus Stroman has been trying to tough it out, and I think this is a moment where it just would be better for him to rest. So give him these days however much he needs if that brings him back closer to 100%. Because his fastball command certainly did not look right.
1: I think it was perplexing. You're absolutely right. You know, There's nothing quite like watching him do his thing and realizing that on the surface everything looks kosher. It seems like he's in the groove. And there have been times this year when he has been in the groove for an inning or two. It's just that when you keep repeatedly experiencing this notion of, here comes some adversity, and then it goes against him. And of course, we know Marcus is a very emotional baseball player. He plays with his heart on his sleeve. That's why we admire him, right? I mean, this is the guy that we expect will go out like a big game pitcher and challenge the hitters. But this year, when the expectation was players like Sanchez and Stroman and Estrada would step up and show us what they're really capable of, Are you absolutely blown away by the fact that this team has a winning record but a starters ERA that's pushing six runs per game?
0: Well, the question becomes, will the second one overrule the first or will the first overrule the second? Mm -hmm. They've done that in spite of that starters ERA. So what's going to happen first? Is the starters ERA continue going to weigh it down like an anchor and drag them below 500? Or will the starters get together as we believe on paper and their past performances have shown us? And will it continue to keep this team bobbing above 500? Because in my opinion, if you get to August and you are above 500, you are right there for that second wild card. That's all you need to do is get through this uh, early to late spring, get through the early summer and put yourself in position. September has begun and you are right there with everybody else. And then you can make the charge. So these are the times when it's best to get guys Mm. healthy. But if that becomes an albatross, if we look at that starters ERA and continually over the course of series after series, the starters ERA does not go down by a significant amount, that's going to be very difficult for this team's offense to overcome.
1: Well, and as as you well know, the the fan base, is having a hard time speaking any kind of dialogue involving patients because the team in some ways did itself a disservice by roaring out of the gate at a completely unrealistic clip of winning baseball. You know, the Blue Jays are not going to play 650 baseball this year. But in some ways, by showing the fans that they have certain players on this team that have the character, and you know who I'm talking about, of course, right? Nobody could foresee that Jan Hervis Solarte and Teoscar Hernandez... Um, and Luke Maley would would show up and suddenly remind fans that, hey, you don't always have to be cynical. We can show you promise. The problem is with baseball, you show a little bit of promise and then the expectation becomes, what have you done for me lately? And I guess my concern now with this, with this starting pitching quagmire, this inconsistency early on, are that fans have reached a point now where they're pulling the last emergency lever of hope. And I won't lie to you, Jesse. I had an ulterior motive for bringing you on my show, not just because you're just such a wonderful contributor and a phenomenal person to speak with, but because you have an insight into Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And I want to ask you point blank, put you on the hot seat. If you were the general manager right now and had the ability to decide what to do with Vladimir Guerrero, who's shattering every record in New Hampshire known to man, would you be inclined to actually even start thinking about such a possibility for 2018?
0: I think you think about it, but not in the second week of May, not in the third week of May, yeah. not in the fourth week of May. You've got to let it to go uh, later in the summer, because what you want to happen is for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to go around the Eastern League, those AA pitchers, AA has a lot of talent, and see what happens the second, the third time around. You want him to slump. Right now he is hot. He's red hot. And you want to see what happens if and when those pitchers start to find a book on him, try to execute it. If this keeps up into June, then you really think about it. But right now in May, this is
1: a lot of fun, but it's still too early. Do you think it puts the the franchise in a position, as you said earlier, that being a transition year... It makes it that much more palatable knowing that there's this crop of young talent, and you know, you and I both know it's not just limited to Vladdy. Although he gets the lion's share of all the the media print, but you could easily sit down and and spend days writing about Bobichet and and Ryan Barucki and Danny Jansen and then I'm wondering, you know, you being a true minor league guru as the voice of the Lansing Lugnuts, it must really make you beam with pride knowing that from an outfield perspective, this team really got lucky with the depth they have, even with the injuries they've suffered, because, you know, Steve Pierce can't find a way to go three weeks without suffering some kind of injury. Are you surprised that There's this incredible balance where it could be conceivable that if this franchise plays its cards right in 2019, they could have one heck of a ball club that people would want to pay to see.
0: I'm not surprised because I think that the front office has had this short-term, long-term plan all along. The entire time, they've been saying, here's the timetable that we have all of these players on. And so when they've gone out, they've hit the free agent market, they've said to themselves, When do we want these guys, where do we want them, and how long do we want them? They've they've thought about this, and I look even at the minor league system, the way that they've drafted, the way that they've brought guys in, the way that they have traded. They want to set up the Blue Jays for long-term success down the line, that it isn't just about last year, it isn't just about this year. That, yes, the moves that they have made have been very measured moves. They've been highly thought out. They've thought about... What do we need? We need versatility. What do we need? We need to make sure that the salary structure is in place, that a guy doesn't anchor us big time. Um, I've been impressed in seeing the debts that they've plumbed other team systems, other teams' organizations, to find a Solarte or to find when he comes back a Thomas Pannone from his suspension and other guys to see if they can contribute. Uh, I think that As this season, as this summer wears along, it's going to be fascinating to me to see how they use their minor league system. Now, they've been forced to pull up guys like Richard Urania or Hernandez or Anthony Offord or Dwight Smith Jr. Injuries have forced their hand, but I think we're going to see, especially into next year and the year after that, that they are building up depth within.
1: Is there a a soft spot in your heart in seeing Dalton Pompey get what might likely be his last shot at making this team as a, as a starter?
0: You mentioned Steve Pierce. That's who Dalton Pompey is. He's got major league ability, and he can help the Blue Jays win in so many different ways. Just stay healthy. Yeah. And I feel the same way about Anthony Offered. Just please stay healthy because both of those guys, the ability is tremendous. They can help you win defensively, offensively, on the base paths. Wherever you look, they impact games. Really, Dalton Pompey, the chances all come down to can you actually write his name into the lineup? And if you can, and if he gets that major league experience, because there have to be growing pains. He simply hasn't played enough baseball for there not to be growing pains. But the man still
1: can play ball. He really can, and it's and it's evident in his at bats that you know there's he's pressing. He's been pressing for a while, it seems like. I'm old enough to remember Jesse. Uh, Rob Ducey, who for many years was touted as this kind of player, like a Pompey, who brought all sorts of great tools, and if he could stay healthy, would be a phenomenal player. But it it cost him a major league career, if you will. Right, smatterings here and there, a couple of years of some success. I would not like to see Dalton Pompey become like a traveling salesman baseball player. You know, he he's someone that deserves to to get a shot and. Again, the Blue Jays tend to do things in extremes, don't they? We went from not having any of these athletic types on our team, and suddenly we've got Dwight Smith Jr. and Anthony Alford and Dalton Pompey all at the same time because of unpredictable injuries. Is is it maddening to you that once again we're we're seeing a year where we have to constantly check the the latest update to appreciate if someone else got hurt or is out of the lineup? Oh, these injuries.
0: Uh, I I went back and I found Pompey's death. He first broke into the major leagues in 2014. And now here we are four years later, and I feel like he's right back at that point. Yes, I think maddening is absolutely the word, because you can't say that a guy's struggles are chalked up to, hey, he's just struggling, he needs to improve, or his struggles are chalked up to his talent level. We don't know if these guys can play in the major leagues or to what level they can, because those injuries have tempered that. Those injuries have constricted that. Um, So you need to actually work through the struggles. And I don't blame a player for pressing because now he's there. Now he's saying, I need to do everything I can to help out the big league team. This is my chance. I don't want my chance to run out. This is what I've been working toward. How can you tell him? How can you look in his eye and say, you know what, relax, when he's seen, he's personally seen all of these opportunities that he thought were his get taken away from him by fate.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And you know, it's interesting, Jesse. I'm normally a secular baseball uh, aficionado, someone who (laughs) fancies himself highly respectful of the traditions. But occasionally, I do lapse into the realm of superstition and baseball gods, because I I believe somewhere deep down inside they exist. You know, there's sometimes amazing, an amazing amount of mysticism and, and ironies that transpire in baseball that make you shake your head and say. That just seems like, how, how could this happen? There has to be a higher power. And I think you and I are friends because we fancy ourselves very, very philosophical in that regard. So when I asked you the other night, on a day that you started with some breakfast and then found out that Nate Pearson was felled by a freak injury, which especially was frustrating, I'm sure, to you because you know how he's surging and you and I have talked about him before. I've interviewed him as well. Then you throw in... Roberto Asuna getting arrested. And to top it all off, at the end of the day, your team is no hit. Baseball gods? I mean, yes, you better believe it. What did you think of that whole baseball day? What was that 24 hours like for you? Because I know it it, it affected me profoundly, but I'm wondering, what, what did you experience? What, what would you like other people to know when it comes to the way you looked at that day? Well, I
0: am religious in my regular life but I'm not religious when it comes to baseball. I am not a believer in baseball gods. I would like to separate all three of these. We can start with the no-hitter. No-hitter can happen any day. It can happen for your team. It can happen against your team. The Lugnuts back in 2013 were no-hit three times in the same season, and they got one hit in the ninth inning and two other occasions. Congratulations to the Big Maple. Tip your cap, and you go, okay, let's move on from there. The Boston Red Sox earlier this year, they have a tremendous lineup, and they got no hit. It happens. Nate Pearson is awful, and I wish him the best in his rehab. Um, He really is one of the most promising pitching talents in the Blue Jays organization and in any organization. So I hope that things go well. I hope that it goes smoothly and uneventfully and that he's back sooner than we expect. But for the moment, that that was a freak occurrence. And with regard to Roberto Osuna, I yield to due process. I think that that is an entirely different set of circumstance Uh, than, let's say, something that happens in a game and you lose and you don't get hits, or something that happens to a player by fate, by a line drive, that if it was a foot this way or a foot that way or half a foot, no injury would have been caused at all. Osuna, um, this is a different category. And so I was affected differently by the Osuna news than I was the news of the no-hitter or the Pearson injury.
1: Which isn't surprising, right, considering what baseball is to you and I and to many others, which is a form of escapism, isn't it? It's an opportunity to transport yourself into a different consciousness of how you feel about the sport itself, the tradition, the players. And I think when we learn about news involving the... The, the other side of their lives, the civilian side, if you will, it can be jarring in, in understanding what the consequences are because this looks serious. And I regret the fact that, uh, not regret so much as the word, as as was concerned when I was asked to go on on TSN and 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 Sportsnet affiliates to talk about it very prematurely without knowing all the facts. If we if we know that that will play itself out for better or for worse. How does it affect the Blue Jays directly, you think, right now? is this? Are they in full damage control mode, or is there more of a mentality that, hey, let's not speculate and stoke the flames. Let's disable the comment sections. Let's kind of batten down the hatches and immediately get Tyler Clipper to come in like he did the other night. And I thought that was fascinating because as soon as he got the save, everyone stood up with enthusiasm and applauded. And I almost got this feeling like if Roberto Osuna isn't careful, he could be forgotten a lot quicker than we've ever seen considering the kind of social media era we live in. What do you think about that, those kinds of implications? I want to
0: separate all of the three. First, in this particular case, I yield to due process and let due process take its uh, go through and occur, and we will all wait and we will see what occurs. Then you separate it on the, on the matter of domestic violence just by itself for any human being that's The emphasis has to come down that this cannot happen. This is awful. And throughout human history, whether it's been a blind eye that's been turned, or whether people have disbelieved, or whatever might have happened, excuse making has occurred, this no longer is tenable. And then the third separation is when it comes to the Jays Blue Jay situation, or I mean the Blue Jays closure situation. This is a separate matter entirely, and baseball and the Blue Jays go, okay, we don't have our closer, let's figure something else out, and if Tyler Clippard can do it, he can handle it. But right now, Roberto Osuna is separate from baseball. This this
1: does not have
0: anything to do with the baseball part whatsoever.
1: That's right, that's right. And, And that's, again, the reason why I was concerned that if you were to jump on social media, you go on Twitter and you read the feedback, it's astounding, it's vicious to see the... Polarization of people's opinions, you know, it's usually a binary, one or zero choice of how you feel about an event that's happened, and uh, Which, when it starts and you bleeding, know what? you know, it bleeds into baseball, and that affects. I fear it affects fans' perceptions because you're tuning in to watch the game, and you're going down to the stadium with a, a sense of that baseball charm and. Hearing it blasted all around you and in the park, the information and people gossiping about the player, you've got to figure it can transplant you away from your ideal place, right? It is very personal
0: that people have a relationship with baseball. And people as fans have individual relationships with players. I've told you in the past, Alan Trammell was my idol. So people have, Roberto Osuna, there was a very personal relationship that people had in rooting him on and cheering him on, however that has affected them. Because people also have had personal experiences with, maybe it's domestic violence, maybe it's with them, maybe it's with their family, whatever it might be, this is a very personally charged issue and a very important issue right now in our culture. And so because of that, it it really is the sort of issue that people would like to talk about And in that case, I'm somebody who would rather listen to what people have to say than share my own perspective.
1: Well said, my friend, well said. There has to be a certain measure of grace in how we deal with this, and that includes paying attention to the details and the facts before conclusions are reached. And um, at least I tried on the baseball gods front with you, although I, I do have to still ask you when that player who pitches the no-hitter against you, was also someone that you originally drafted. And if not for the frugality of your owner and the audacity of his tampered agent, really, you didn't find that there was a a cruel irony there that just doesn't happen by accident? I mean, what are the chances, Jesse, that that happens with that kind of history? I mean, and you know the details. You know, you may want to highlight it for, for our listeners, but considering those circumstances, how does that end up happening?
0: It ends up happening because James Paxton is a very good pitcher. I know and that's simple. That's, no, I know that's but, and, totally simplified, but you, there's the narrative of how he got here. There's the narrative of what put him on the mound and led him all the way through as a kid growing up as a baseball player and all of those different events. But when that game begins and he puts the baseball in his hand and maybe Seeger makes a tremendous play down at third base, whatever else happens... Yes, there's that story that can be told of this one game that now becomes a moment and a memory. Uh, but whether it's the baseball gods toward Toronto or shining down on Seattle, and Lord knows the Mariners need some love every now and then because their baseball history hasn't been so great. It's,
1: That's true. That's you know true.
0: what? It's enjoyable.
1: That's true. And they've got a decent team. I think you and I can find a lot of merit with this year's edition of the Seattle Mariners, but they're, like the Blue Jays, a very deeply flawed team that has to win the series like the ones they just captured against the Blue Jays, and it was really, really, a, uh, for all intents and purposes, largely a piss-poor effort by the Blue Jays, aside from the the stretch in the second game where there were four or five doubles and a sense of station-to-station baseball. You still get this kind of perception, don't you, that this team right now is just lethargic, either because it's been battered by injuries. I mean, how how long, for example, can fans be patient with Kendris Morales, a player that you and I not only have, in some cases, defended and enjoyed from all the great things he's done in the past, but he literally, right now, looks like he's lost it. What happens when that creeping, unenviable feeling creeps in, you know, of realizing that your player that you admire looks like he's finally running out of gas, like Jose Bautista last year. Well, as a fan,
0: I don't blame a fan for
1: turning on him entirely. Fans
0: can go by by the day, by the week, and cheer for who's performing, and anyone who's not performing, you're not very happy with. But Kendris Morales, let me relate him to Marcus Stroman because I think it was perplexing Stroman that he was getting hit around when in his mind he was doing all the same things that he's been done before, that he was prepared, that he still got his stuff, he still got his mechanics, and why wasn't he seeing the results? I think Morales is up there going, how come the results aren't the same when I still believe that I'm me? So I think that that idea of perplexing, frustrating, yes, it definitely builds, and a player starts questioning themselves when they look in the mirror.
1: Well, and... and that horrible, horrible realization that an athlete has lost his confidence, it lingers, obviously, from game to game. Case in point, Randall Grichuk. Poor Randall Grichuk. He's barely here for a cup of coffee, and the fan base turns on him ravenously, and, and, and justifiably so. I don't think you can start the season in almost 100 at-bats, hitting you know, less than your weight and striking out 40% of the time. Is there a future for him knowing how others have stepped up, knowing that you're getting full value out of a resurgent Granderson and an absolutely, although he's cooled off lately, but very dominant Hernandez, whom you and I can both agree, is like watching the George Bell archetype. Isn't he out there? Like a classic old-school 80s Dominican player. Every at-bat is allowed out. <laughs> yeah, there's some pop-ups. But when he hits that ball, you and I go, yeah, that's his sweet spot. Does Grechuk have a future with this, with this team? unless he can start hitting literally tomorrow or when he comes off the the deal?
0: Well, yes, that's the key, is how does he perform? Because he entered in with a blank slate. He entered in with people in Toronto and people in Canada not really knowing or probably caring how his past performances had gone. Here's a fresh start for him. Let's see what he's got. And the results were not what they should have been. And so let's say when he does get healthy, when he comes back... If now that light bulb goes on, or if now suddenly he sees the breakthrough, I think people are ready to root for him. They just need a reason to cheer for you him
1: know. that's it that's so true, absolutely, and of course, it can happen as quickly as it goes away are you Are you though absolutely smitten by what's been happening with uh, Jan Herve Solarte, uh, a swift hitting? attack-first hitter with gap power who runs and dances with the same level of enthusiasm. Love it.
0: I think it's wonderful. And I think as we've seen, he's being embraced, especially as people find out more about him as a person and his family. Yes, I'm really enjoying the idea of Solarte Power.
1: It's it's a sight to behold in that in, in the Sky Dome especially, just because a player like him being able to do it, it, it reminds me very much of Smoke's season last year as a switch hitter. More power from one side, better contact from the other, but but a real focus and and uh that doubleheader really I think may have given him a bit of a uh, you know, folk culture, some grassroots movements of people appreciating what it means to to have to leave a game there. You and I both know that's Jose Reyes, he's in the dugout he's already on his way to the you know, medical oh. clinic because you know his beautiful face has been injured. I just
0: enjoy the
1: folks at Rogers
0: Center, the folks and the way that they get behind people, the way that the players yeah. are loved and the way that they are supported. And I've seen this year after year that a player will come in and if he performs, you can tell the support swells and he feels it and the noise and the love that shows it really is remarkable. And so I think that it's building him, he's building off of it, and it's pouring back and forth. And that is gorgeous to watch.
1: Absolutely. No question. No question. And, and by the way, I figured out why I think you and I are kindred spirits in baseball. It's because your hero, your childhood hero, Alan Trammell, went up against my childhood hero, George Bell. One of my childhood. Oh yes, yeah. you, you know I've got a sw- soft spot for Fernandez as Mr. Blue Jay, but George Bell is the oh, one yeah. that perhaps during his stretch of time. But man, oh man, I think back to that over 36 to finish the year, and how Allen was robbed of that MVP award. It's amazing to think that that archetype of player is really what made us fall in love with the game. Which which Blue Jays players, in your opinion, should fans really be mindful of considering as their archetype? that combines a lot of the excitement and childlike glee that we had back when we were kids in the 80s and 90s? I think it's all individual. I think that a fan
0: decides whoever is that player who embodies it for them. For me, for example, I was a shortstop, so I chose a shortstop. It was as simple as that. And there is something about a player that reaches out to a fan, whether it's a reliever, whether it's a bench guy. Luke Maley might suddenly grab somebody and they go, this, this is who I'm going to root for. You can't sometimes put your finger on it. Maybe you go to a game and that player in that game comes through with a crucial hit and you never forget it.
1: Nor do you appreciate how much the Blue Jays had that in abundance back in the 80s, especially. You know, that uh, the 85 to 89 teams didn't have one or two personalities that stuck out. It just seemed like every member of that team was friendly with the media, appreciated and appreciative of the fans. And also the kind of citizen that you know you could see walking out and wouldn't even notice him from from the general public. Let me fast forward, and I've
0: got I've got a point about the idea of the citizens being created too. But I just watched. There's a 1989 Baltimore Orioles video about their season that I grew up watching over and over and over again as a kid, and what's fascinating to me is. The Orioles lost. They came in second. It was the weekend in Toronto at the end of the year where they were down by one game, and then they lost the first game, and they lost the second game of the series, and the Blue Jays clinched the AL East. And yet Baltimore still, it was such a a fantastic run for a team that had lost over 100 games the year before that they created this highlights video. And seeing those games in Toronto with Skydome just going nuts and the atmosphere... There are some things that have changed over time, and there are some things that haven't. That energy from the 1980s can still exist at Rogers. Back to the idea of citizens. The players that I'm seeing in Lansing, the players who are moving up, the players who are currently here, oh, we've got some great citizens. So when it comes to the, the people for fans to root for, there are some great people coming up through the organization.
1: I have a very good friend and a, a guest on the show in the past who invited me to his uh, TD Comfort Seats the other night uh, against Seattle. That was the the one game the Jays did win, and I had forgotten because I hadn't been down uh, to the to the Dome yet this year. I had forgotten how haunting sometimes it feels to be old enough to remember, as you mentioned, those moments that brought you great inspiration and, and excitement, the glory years. But then realize that now it's 2018, and it's been a very, very long time that we were able to sustain that. I mean, outside of you know, whatever 53 days in 2015, right? I mean, Jesse, really, between the last a great days, 53 days, a great, very sumptuous 50 days. I, I still remember how they feel. That's how that's how potent they were, right? That you know, it's almost like you go. Decades without drinking water, and then it all gets poured all around you everywhere waves and waves of delicious, moist, nurturing baseball to take you where you need to go. And then it gets dry again. And what's fascinating to me is when you look at the dome, when you look at the Rogers Center, you stop and you realize that it's almost like there are ghosts haunting it because it's a very bizarre reality, a modern day baseball club in the fourth largest market in major league baseball is playing in a retro barn, like an old couch in the basement that we still use, even though we don't care that we have spilled things and it needs renovation and upholstery work. And we keep getting promised that and nothing happens. You can tell I felt hard. W- Was I insane? In I would that? argue. Yes.
0: Yes, you are. Your yeah. ghosts are only your memories. The, the hauntings that occurs. It's your memories. There are 12-year-olds right now who, in about 10 years or 15 years or however many decades away, are going to say, do you remember those Solarte years? Do you remember those years when we would pull, whether it was Tim Mazur and Aaron Loop out of the bullpen? Even when a team is playing 500 ball, even when a team is not competing at the very top of the division, there are fans being made, and the fans who are considering right now the glory days, And they will be haunted by the ghosts of the 2018 season. It is a very personal thing. And so you, because that's when you were formed in terms of being a baseball fan, those biggest moments at Skydome and now Rogers Center, those are the ghosts that will continue to haunt it for you. And even if next year Vladimir Guerrero Jr. comes up, wins the Triple Crown, and leads the Blue Jays to a postseason sweep, you will still say, boy, that was great. That was just like a 1985
1: what can I say, Jesse? That may have been the most existential moment on my podcast I've ever experienced. And I, I can't tell you how thrilled I am that you, you were here to, to help pronounce that. I might put that out as a separate soundbite to promote this, this interview, because that's that's very true, my friend. I mean, you've really... You've illuminated what it is deep in the souls of baseball fans. And in my case, I have my demons because I have my memories. But I think you're absolutely right. If you look at that nostalgia and use it as a reason to be cynical or a reason to think the worst, then invariably you'll never feel what baseball's really all about. So I don't know if I just made a case for rose-colored glasses, but it's important, I think, to stay optimistic and positive when you have reasons to be. And this Blue Jays team this year is giving a lot of great reasons for people to stop and say, There's definitely something here. It's not a lost cause. Starters are not going to, like you said, be at a 6 ERA, and Kendris Morales is not going to hit 100 for the rest of the year. But in a world where things happen so quickly, Jesse, it almost seems like they can do no wrong. Damned if they do, damned if they don't.
0: I go back to talking to you before the start of the season and what our expectations were for the team. And we said, well, the starters can't be that bad. The starters are going to be great, and this guy's going to be back, and this guy's going to be productive. <laughs> and then the season happens, and you throw all of it out the window, and you oh, say, but... just win today. Win today, and let's worry about tomorrow tomorrow.
1: We, I have that in the archives. I put that on a master tape so I can remind myself from time to time when Right at the moments of losing your mind because of sequences or events or things that happen, it's such a long season, and perspective is everything it truly is and And I hope our listeners uh, of the show understand why that's important because it really it's 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 too easy to get frustrated and angry about these things. They play out the way they do. you hope, however that the leaders with their plans are doing it for the right reasons. And I still think, and I don't know how you feel about this. I'm curious. I still think that Mark Shapiro is being met with maybe far more suspicion than he should, considering some of the positive things he's done. Like if I were to make a list with you right now, and we were to list all the things we'd like and dislike about this regime, is it safe to say that we would both come out saying there's reasons to be optimistic just on that alone?
0: I'm seeing all the long-term things in the minor leagues. I'm seeing all the seeds that have been planted by Mark, by Ross, by the people in charge of the minor league system, by Charlie, by Gil, etc. And so I'm seeing the things growing in the minor leagues. I see the long-term plan. So I have great reason for optimism.
1: It's almost like knowing Morpheus. Every time I need to get you on the show, you'll tell me a little bit more about what's coming and reassure me that i'm not living <laughs> that i'm not living in an airlock somewhere and dreaming this and the jays will finish with you know 96 losses so uh speaking of wins and losses i have to ask you before i let you go uh you mentioned the baltimore orioles at one point i think they were 8 and 26 by midweek what is going on Are, do you not get offended as a lover of baseball and a fan of a team when your team just stops trying because to me starting 8 and 26 is not you're struggling and competing and happening to come out on the on the on the wrong side of the of the outcome it just strikes me as being petulant frustrated athletes who are on the cusp of free agency and quite frankly don't give a rat's ass about their team or their fans how do you feel about that statement
0: i think those are dangerous accusations in terms of i can't get inside their heads i don't know about their lack of effort i don't know about whether they've given up, all of those different matters are very serious to levy at a team. And so whatever a player shows as his public face, whatever happens on the field, there is that idea of baseball as a team game played by individuals. So why you lose today's game, it might be this thing that happened in the third inning and that thing that happened in the fifth inning, and maybe somebody hit a hard hit ball that went right at the right fielder. And then tomorrow, maybe the starter didn't have a good outing, and maybe the day after that, a reliever didn't have a good outing. So the loss is pinned on the entire team. But then players as individuals, they have to look at it, and they can't say to themselves, well, I tried hard. These guys need to pick it up. That is very dangerous. Um, it's, it's a bad start to the year. And I don't know. I I do think that the baseball season gets awful long when you can't play as a cohesive unit. And they have gotten challenged to start
1: up this year. It sounds to me like you've challenged their 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 team building methodology. I mean, $144 million, um, yeah. You figure you figure is not going to get you an eight and twenty six start. That's enough money invested that presumably you've got the right people and the right players. Clearly, this is a sign that this is a horrible mix, both in terms of their chemistry as a team. Uh, I mean, I, I expected them to not be a, a serious factor in the in the second wild card, even though a lot of people did. I don't know about you. I think maybe you did as well because I figured you know Manny Machado in his free agent year, Adam Jones, Trumbo. Um, you figure, hey, maybe they'll at least finish with maybe 80, 82, 83 wins. But when you're on pace for like those old years, like you mentioned, the year that they lost 100 games, what did they start that year? Like 0-21? I'm having nightmares of right now <laughs> exactly. of the Ripkins because it was, it was Papa Ripkin, wasn't it, playing on a team with Billy and Cal, and they started like 0-21, I think it was, right? I mean, poor Baltimore fans. What have they done to deserve this? You know, we, we think <laughs> we have it bad. They're, they're just in a complete and utter baseball quagmire.
0: I'm looking over their stats right now. Manny Machado is having another just tremendous season. And then the rest of the guys, Caleb Joseph (laughs) is sitting 174, OPS plus 32. Chris Davis, OPS plus 51. 41, OPS plus for Tim Beckham in his 23 games, and now he's on the DL. And right on down, Anthony Santander, Jonathan Scope. They have needed to get better production out of their starters. Manny Machado is trying to do everything he can. And out of their starting pitchers, Kevin Gossman has been fine. But the rest of their starters have not been. Uh, so it's, it's, it's an easy thing to point to the team and say, this is not this player's fault. This is right now. Things have not gone right for them as a unit. And it's a long baseball
1: season. That's the scary part. It's and so when, long. When, when you're, it's when you're very, lousy, very long. You're lousy for a very long time. Isn't that the truth? You
0: can tell, as a fan, when you're feeling good about your team, you can't wait for the next day's game. And when you're feeling bad about your team, boy, that game is coming up way too quick.
1: (laughs) And one day you're thinking about your your city and you're thinking, you know, we're uh, we're on the cusp of having success in basketball and in hockey and in baseball and everything is just hunky-dory. And then the next thing you know, Murphy's Law kicks in, again, without getting superstitious, because it's interesting, you and I appreciate what it means to be religious or devout or orthodox to a cause or, or or a sport, but then you contrast it with religion and life and how you're born and raised, and you realize how much of life is determined based on science, based on fact. Baseball is is that fascinating quantity for some reason that appeals to me because it just maybe has elements of everything. It has its math, it has its science, it has its art form, it has its different quantum theories that people have. And and they're constantly trying to refine what real value is. I mean, Sabermetrics was the big game changer. Are you still maybe somewhat, hold, somewhat beholden to some of the old school analytics or the way that you used to look at baseball versus the way everyone looks at it today? Or are you more converted completely in understanding that the better we know now and how we master the game, the better you build a team for tomorrow?
0: Let me compare it to computers and let me compare it to, to programming or maybe a smartphone or apps or something like that with you, with what you've got. If I told you, I've got something better for you that can make things easier, that can also help you out, I would think that your answer would be, okay, maybe I should learn it, show it to me, and let me decide for myself. That is my opinion about sabermetrics and analytics, is show it to me. Show me what you got, let me look it over, let me see if I can wrap my mind around it, let me see if I can use it. I I don't think it's a good idea for anybody to say, actually, no, I'm done. I've learned all the stats I need to learn. I don't need to learn any (laughs) more.
1: A continuing education is always key. You heard it first here. Jesse, this has been an amazing chat. I love that we covered so many, like like I said earlier, philosophically and existentially fascinating subjects related to the team. Um, Give me an idea of what you've been up to, what you're working on, so I can put this in as a really nice, shameless plug.
0: Thank you. First, before we get there, can I tell everyone, Kevin Smith, best player you've never heard of, fourth round draft pick of the Blue Jays last year, shortstop, he's putting up numbers similar to Bo Bichette right now. He's leading all of professional baseball in doubles, Kevin Smith, not the director. Kevin Smith. Remember the
1: name. You are just chock full of the kind of info that when I can always go back to the tape, I'll know that that you you they were very prophetic. You just you just figured out who the next big player is. Speaking of, who's the next uh, Blue Jay name that's going to be called up that we should be paying attention to on the radar? Who, who do you think's going to be next? Well, if there's another injury,
0: I w- I would love it if Danny Janssen got the call at some point. Yeah, I would love it I if he. And it, it depends on the catching position. But I think what he's doing in Buffalo has been tremendous. And I think at some point, he's going to be a longtime Blue Jay behind the dish.
1: He is the author of the Baseball Thesaurus and the voice of the Lansing Lugnuts and the host of Around the Nest podcast, Jesse goldberg Strasbourg. Thanks for talking to us here on the Jays Journal Podcast. Thank you, everybody. Buy the book. Thank you very much.